Amanda and I'm Kristen and we are the extra sisters so sit back relax and let's get creepy welcome to episode 101 but before I introduce which movie this is we just want to give a quick shout out and say happy birthday to Connor happy birthday so we do a quick shout out to our patrons on their birthday weeks and his is coming up so yep we won't acknowledge what you know, one it is, and you know, because once you hit thirty, it doesn't really matter past that point. <laughs> we but... don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hope you have a great week and happy birthday. But for episode one hundred and one, we are going to be discussing the M not M not M not Shyamalan <laughs> M Night Shyamalan film from nineteen ninety nine, The Sixth Sense. Which actually, this was one of the very first, I guess, horror genre movies I ever saw. Really? Actually, because my mom likes this film a lot. Really? Yeah. Your well, mom who doesn't like horror. Yeah. Well, she loves Bruce Willis. So, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, because this was something that she liked, it was acceptable for me mm. to watch it, you know? It wasn't really horror. You know, like the same reason why Tony Collette and Haley Joel Osmond are up for nominations for Academy Awards for this movie because it's not really horror, right? Exactly. Even though there's. It's fucking spooky. It's, it's about it's, ghosts. Yeah, like this literally, like if it if this had been like no name actors and yeah, you know, this would be like nope. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been the same caliber of film, but who knows who would have actually like noticed it? You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like Silence of the Lambs. It's definitely a horror movie unless the Academy wants it and it's a crime drama. Exactly. Like. I don't know what the subgenres of this film are. Psychological thriller is what this says. But oh like, my god, ghosts! It's ghosts. ghosts. You see bloody people. Like it's fucking ghosts. Whatever. There's like, I mean, some of the most like spooky imagery. People hanging. I mean, we yeah. get there. Like a ghost girl popping up. Like this temperature dropping. An image of fucking this like wrists cut i mean this just like the definition of like scary yeah. ghost movie in my opinion exactly like di it didn't like really terrify me when i watched it i wasn't like a really young kid i mean this was 1999 so mm -hmm. you know it, it was on the cusp of the 2000s so i wasn't like super super young but i was born in 92 so i was still pretty young so you know and i didn't see it right when it came out obviously but mm -hmm. you know i was still pretty young when i saw this film it was i think it was on cable when it came out so it had obviously been released and had its run in theaters and it's still though there were some things i was like oh you know like <laughs> right, exactly so scary and but i mean still one of my favorite films to watch Mm -hmm. you know I, I will rewatch this film i usually typically watch it at least once a year even if it's not like conscious if it's uh, it's usually on tv it's on tv mm -hmm. all the time i will usually stop and watch it but yeah it's 
super beloved. I mean, M. Night Shyamalan, I don't know if, I don't think, well, this wasn't his first, was it? Um, no, but it may have been his second. I was about to say, I think this really sealed his launch, you know, to <laughs> into greatness, into notoriety. I mean, let's see. I mean, I have his stuff here first, but, or I have his his lowest rated is the last airbender shocking (laughs) and the highest rated film he's ever done is the sixth sense which makes sense to me yeah i mean he also did signs which i think is up there as well but the sixth sense that totally makes sense to me being his highest one Mm -hmm. so let's see yeah wide awake it says he did as a screenwriter but then right after that was the sixth sense so yeah that's what i was thinking i thought he basically started everything with this but he had done like one one-off movie beforehand that wasn't very big yeah so he yeah it was this so good for him man that's a great yeah. right out the gate like right man and then i think signs was right after that right let's see so we had well we had a couple in between so he did the ah <laughs> well for director yes so he okay. did a screen he was the screenwriter for Stuart little <laughs> <sighs> And then he did Unbreakable. Oh, God, I love Unbreakable. Mm -hmm. And then he did Signs right after Unbreakable. Okay. And then The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, and The Last Airbender, Devil After Earth. So those were all kind of bombs on Rotten Tomato, The Village being the highest one. And then he came back in with The Visit and Split, which Mm -hmm. moved him back up. So I'm not saying those films in between were, I mean, The Last Airbender, obviously, we all, I think, have the same opinion on that that Mm -hmm. however being his highest box office film out of all of these no i'm sorry signs was his highest box office followed by the last airbender and yeah we all hate that but say what a disappointment for all those people that paid that money me it was me (laughs) (laughs) it was me in high school it was my I I was going into my senior year so it was the I think it was the beginning of my senior year or end of my junior year I don't I graduated in 2011 all of my friends we went to the midnight release because we all loved the series you know and we sat there and it was like we wanted to like it so much and so at the end we were like um it was okay that was that was like not that good right it wasn't it wasn't and then uh, to further I know this is kind of a tangent story I afterwards after the release I was kind of disappointed or like the theater release and then when it came out on DVD Blu-ray or whatever I was like okay well I'm gonna watch it again because maybe I I just had too high expectations for this show maybe it was really difficult to put into film from animation because it's an anime essentially so right it's really hard to translate every time they do an anime to IRL like it's it's, it's really difficult so I, I pirated it and <laughs> I got busted by my internet and that was the only time I've gotten a fucking letter. They were like, we're going to shut down your internet. And it was over the last airbender. Yeah. It's always so, over terrible fucking movies. So I can't get their money anywhere else. I've never really done that since because I was like, it's not worth it. If <laughs> For I the last get, airbender. Yeah. They were really upset about the last airbender bombing. So they were like, why are you <laughs> going to mm-hmm. pirate that one? We're going to catch you on it. So like, yeah, I just haven't really done that since. So a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Okay. We're not talking about the last airbender, but 
the yeah, horror that, of the last airbender the horror of the last airbender <laughs> yeah that's something all on its own but let's go back to the sixth sense which is m night Shyamalan's greatest rated film that he has i can't imagine most of you haven't seen this so it's going to be kind of hard to like go through an entire plot of a film that is so beloved because i don't want to bore anybody you know but mm-hmm. I mean, this is the icy dead people. Like, yeah, it's very intricate too. So you kind of, like, kind of need to know all that stuff. And how iconic too. Like, oh yeah. How many times has that been repeated in pop culture? Like, you know that. Icy yeah, it dead was people. all over trivia as like the number one most quoted line of all time, or some shit. Oh, I totally bet. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, there. I know it's alive, and icy dead people are like up there you know right, what I mean? exactly mm-hmm. so it's hard to think of any other I mean in within the horror genre that are even outside the horror genre I'd imagine that's pretty up there so yeah and Haley Joel Osment too I mean he looks exactly the same as an adult as he did with a kid but now just like bigger and with facial hair which is I mean <laughs> right I guess I do too but it's just it's just weird. I don't know. Oh, my God. I made Connor watch this with me. Not made. He actually wanted to. Yeah. And we ended up with this whole storyline of a background. of Okay. So he, you know, he went a little crazy. But he wanted to help people. But then, you know, when he was a teenager in his 20s, he went on like a drinking bend because he didn't want to help people anymore. He don't want to be that person. But then he comes back as the ghost whisperer. This is the new show that we need with the adult Haley Joel Osment saving people every week. <laughs> You know what? For better or worse, I'm surprised somebody didn't try to do that because we know that we love money, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm surprised mm-hmm. somebody wasn't like, "Let's," because I'm pretty sure Haley Joel Osment would have taken that because up until fairly recently, I, I think I could be wrong, but he had kind of he was like the beloved childhood star because he was so cute, yeah, and then he got typecasted. Yeah, he kind of aged out, and he has mm-hmm. come back for some, like he had some Netflix roles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was in Silicon Valley, which I love. He was really good, mm-hmm. and he did some like sex. T- it wasn't about oh. sex, but it oh. had it was no, it was like some sex ed show or something like that. Oh, Not, I see. Yeah, but I'm sure if they were like, "Hey, can you come back for?" this role he would have been like sure you know wouldn't you watch it i would watch that fucking show yeah also if that were me i'm sure mediums typically like i know i follow some mediums on different social medias and they all seem pretty open and willing to help people and happy about their gift and stuff but i can't imagine that if you didn't want that and if it Mm -hmm. played so much as a child like we see in this story and of course this work of fiction though that you would just want it to be quiet and stop at some point. Yeah, kind of like Dr. Sleep, where he drinks it all away, or The Shining, where he drinks it all away. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, but this is the story of a a little boy, obviously, you know, where he is, his name is Cole. He is experiencing something supernatural he's able to see and talk to the dead but it he really his mom doesn't know what's going on he's got a single mom and just thinks that he's kind of this troubled bullied kid he doesn't really have any friends it's kind of that typical story of this isolated weird kid you know Mm -hmm. yeah and he's definitely like bullied to not as severe as you know they don't I mean, 
I guess they do kind of physically pick on him, but it gets pretty bad. But he it's mostly the ghosts that do it, though. Exactly. It's not necessarily yeah. his fellow students. They basically ignore him. They don't want to include him. And when they do yeah. have to include him, they literally like lock him up so they don't have to include him. I guess that's what I mean by physically bullying. Oh, him. I see. Yeah. You know, like that was fucked up, <laughs> you know, yeah, super fucked up. Yeah. And so he uh, she does the right thing. So she reaches out to a psychologist or psychiatrist, mm-hmm. a child psychologist. Yeah. yeah. He's a psychologist, a child psychologist. But we have his name is Malcolm Crow. And we have his backstory as well. And so a lot of times you don't get what I liked about this film is you don't get the psychologist backstory either. Like they don't really care much about the psychologist. You just kind of see the psychologist interacting with the child. But this is very heavy because the whole movie is about the relationship between the psychologist and the child. Right. I mean, and the the child and his his mother, but mostly about the psychologist and the child's relationship. Mm-hmm. So... The psychologist comes into this family dynamic wanting to, of course, help this child. While in the same hand, we get this scene at the beginning where he comes home one night with his wife after being honored by the mayor, I believe, for his work with children in the community. And this probably, I'd say, early 20s, wouldn't you say? Yeah, he's 19. 19, that's right. Appears in their bathroom and said that you failed me. When I was a child, which is like a psychologist's nightmare, you know, mm-hmm. and he said that, you know, he recognizes him and said that he had, you know, hallucinations, but he can't talk him down and he shoots Malcolm and himself. Yeah. But which really quick. Yeah. The first thing I wrote down is Donnie Wahlberg's a better actor than his brother. Yeah. Like full on. He lost 43 pounds for this role. I barely even recognize him sometimes as being Donnie Wahlberg. And he does better roles than just action movies. Donnie Wahlberg should be better than his brother and more known. You know, I think that it's difficult to be an action star, but I think it's, it's, I'm not an actor. I don't know. But like, I think it's got to be especially difficult to have to portray such raw emotion to a camera. Yeah. You know, because like action, like you have stuntmans and you have special effects and you just have to be like tough guy. Like, I'm not discounting that at all because I think that's an art in itself. But I also think there has to be a guttural like something well yeah look this donnie Wahlberg is the same donnie Wahlberg that is in saw 2 that is a motherfucker like yeah he he goes from this destroyed little boy to being this on top detective like he can do those different roles i saw him in band of brothers where he was an amazing military officer like he can do those roles and all i ever see fucking mark Wahlberg doing is goddamn action movies or the happening which I find enjoyable, <laughs> but goddamn, that's a bad movie. I remember, didn't he fairly recently do something about being like a miniature guy or something? Or is that not him? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I know about? Um, Matt Damon did something. Oh, maybe like that, that was Matt Damon. That was Matt Damon. You're right. You're right. You're right. That wasn't him. Like he has a range. You yes, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, his brother's just over there getting his money. Like maybe he's just been typecasted and that's all that people really care about, you know? And he may have quite a range that nobody, he just doesn't care to use. And okay, you know, whatever. He'd rather have his money from looking hot. 
And that's a thing, you know, that's a cool. I would also take my money if that was something that applied to me. (laughs) So he gets shot. Of course, you see his wife trying to tend to his wounds and, you know, call the ambulance. And then you just see it shift to this boy. And then he comes in to help this boy. And this is kind of a, he has to redeem himself because this boy, he sees Vincent, the patient that shot him in Cole quite a bit because Cole Mm -hmm. is also experiencing he doesn't want to talk to this psychologist he doesn't think he can help him at all he doesn't trust anybody with his problems he's keeping it very close to himself he has a lot of self-awareness he's like everyone's gonna think I'm crazy if I talk about this well they have thought he was crazy he does mention on numerous occasions that he drew a picture of somebody who got hurt in the neck by a screwdriver by another person and everyone was called in the counselor his mom she was crying so he learned to cover that shit up exactly so why would he talk about it anymore yeah you know i wouldn't i mean children learn very quickly like especially when you want to be that obedient make everybody happy people please their little kid that very quiet reserved one Mm -hmm. especially when you have a single mom like you don't want to upset her or make anybody's life harder especially when you're already dealing with so much It's just easier, unfortunately, to keep it all inside, which is not going to make for a healthy existence, but it made it worse when he tried to talk about it. Right. Also, she's a badass mom. She works multiple jobs to get him into a private school. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. I mean, they and they live like it's not like they live in their place is like fairly nice. You know, it's small, Mm -hmm. but like. They both have separate rooms and a cute little living room. It's, you know. It was also 99. I'm sure you could afford that shit back then. Yeah. They do live in Philadelphia, too, which is a cute little town. Yeah. And, oh, I love and, their I mean, house. Not in all places, but, you know, everybody, every <laughs> big town has their areas. <laughs> and also to, to note, Malcolm is having issues with his wife. They have just become compl- really distant. So to note that as well. So he's putting like pouring himself into this kid because that's really he feels all he's got right now. He's right. Also, his wife had made a comment in the beginning that she always came second to all of the kids that he was helping. So I'm sure that's just a pattern that he's continuing now. Yeah, exactly. Which that's hard. Like these are kids and you get invested in their lives and they didn't do anything wrong or anything to deserve this. So it's like, how do you know? I'm yeah. not saying you should put your wife or your family. I think you should always put your spouse first. This is going to be kind of controversial, like even to your children, you know, because if mm-hmm. your marriage isn't healthy, then your parenting isn't going to be either. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, that's so hard because being a teacher or a child psychologist or a social worker or anything that works with children, you see the most innocent of lives. And if they're suffering, how do you not want to just like, You know what I mean? Right. There's even a point where Bruce Willis is crying saying, I have to be with my family now because I've been neglecting them. And Haley Joel Osment's like, please no crying at him. And Bruce Willis is crying. And I'm like, oh, God. Exactly. Like, what do you do? Like, that's something that you and I talked about recently. Like, I wanted to be in like some sort of teacher mode. But I was telling you, like, I don't know how I could separate Mm -hmm. that life from my life. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to come home every night and just like, cause right now I can come home every night and leave work at work. But if I had a job like that, like I genuinely don't know. How what you'd I would compartmentalize. Do. Exactly. Yeah. I think I would just be 
thinking about them all the time and get so invested to where I might even get my job in trouble because I'd be like, fuck this job. I'm going to go stay in. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, so that's really difficult. And so obviously Lynn, his mother, is worried about his social skills and sees also sign uh, signs of physical harm. So she thinks that he is being, like you said, bullied by the kids at school. But it's actually happening because of these supernatural presence around yeah. him. These kids are not actually bullying him. These things are trying to latch onto him because they don't have these lost souls don't have anything to talk to or anyone to help them. They're lost for a reason. And it's kind of like ghosts with unfinished business that you hear about a lot. They come and they find someone who can communicate with them to help them finish whatever they need to finish. And so mm -hmm. when they find that person, it's not like you can just ignore them and they'll go away. The right. more that he does that, the worse it gets. They get angrier and angrier. Exactly. So, you know, they start hurting him physically and this builds up and essentially he keeps this very secret for a while and he does tell him I mean and these scenes are super eerie too like at night the temper you will see the thermostat go all the way down and you'll see something go into his room and he'll see and he has this little tent that he's built in his room that he kind of uses as his safe space you know mm -hmm. Like when kids throw the covers over their head, but he's taken it to a, a different level. Like he will get out of his bed entirely. Yeah. And, and it's got all these like rosaries and candles and statues of Mary. And it's like a church in there. And he'll even hang out in a church. Yeah. He figured it out. Like he's incredibly intelligent. It's not, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't show this, but it, I don't know if he's just going around reading you know, all of these books about spirits and the paranormal, it wouldn't surprise me, but he knows what to do. But I think inherently a church is a safe space. So mm -hmm. when he's just under initial observation by Malcolm, Malcolm follows him into a church, you know, because yeah. that's where he feels safe. Really quick, while we're on that topic, I wanted to bring this up because I've watched this a billion times before. So this time I wanted to look closer and I was actually reading the notes so as like right in the beginning after the psychiatrist has died he comes back and he is sitting on a bench waiting for Haley Joel Osment to come out and he's reading case notes and he's reading the notes of the the kid that broke into his house and then he flips it and he starts reading the notes about Cole and the notes about Cole it already is written out. Like you can't read all of it because his hand is in the way, but it's already written out. And then later on, we go back to his apartment after he has met with Cole in the church. He goes back and he finishes his notes. And the beginning of his notes say that he missed meeting him and he met him in the church, but it was already written before he met him in the church. So now I'm sitting here going, is that what he did the day he died? Did he do it that morning? And then he just repeated it the next day when he came back or a few months later when he came back did he just do the start in the exact same place also there's a point to like if he relived his day he may have like wanted to skip out you know he may have just been observing him and intentionally missed their meeting to kind mm -hmm. of see what his day was like you know what i mean yeah i don't know 
That's a good point. Yeah. You know, dun, 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 he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. If you haven't seen the movie, which, where have you been? (laughs) Yeah. It was uh, released in 1999. (laughs) But, you know, if you haven't, then you should definitely go see it. I assume, for the most part, if you listen to any of the episodes, you know we're going to spoil it. So you don't have to This isn't a, you know, four minute non-spoiler review of a new movie. Right. (laughs) We go into detail. Even of the new movies, we go into detail. Right. Well, anyways, remember in the beginning, I know we've talked about, we were when like, we were like not spoiling. Oh anything. my God, we're not going to spoil it. But yeah, we're going to spoil it. Now we're like, whatever. We got to talk about all of it. This is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically what I'm getting at is before we were talking about that is he yeah. has this little safe tent that he goes into and that doesn't even really protect him. It does kind of. But he sees, like, in his house, this, it look, kind of looked like his mom. Was it? I mean, it wasn't, but it kind of looked like her. This woman, first of all, walking around, but she had, like, slit her wrists. Oh, uh, yeah, the one that's in the kitchen that always opens the cupboards and gets yeah, in trouble. Because his mom has wa- had walked in, like, to give him breakfast one morning, and all the cupboards were open. And she was like why did you do that? And I was like, woman, you were in the laundry room or whatever for like a minute. There's no way yeah. he could have climbed up on the counters. Cause he can't reach all those cabinets and opened every single one in the kitchen. Like you, and she is kind of like freaked out. Like you can tell, yeah. but also she's like, why did you do that? And you can tell that he even asked like if, if he scares her or something at some point. Yeah. That is this, like this movie is also very sad. <laughs> I mean, they hold each other crying, you know, like, yeah, he's always asking her, like, do you, are you mad at me now? Do you feel differently about me? And she's always like, look at my face. I love you. And I love that. Yeah. It's sad. Like, but she's a really good mom. I mean, she is an amazing mom, especially that is working all of those jobs and single Mm -hmm. child psychologists are not cheap. I mean, it doesn't ever say Uh that he's doing this pro bono to my knowledge, but I'm assuming he's not. Right. It could also have been he could have been called in because of the school because he's had scratches. He's been drawing weird things. It may not have been Tony Collette is our mom, which, by the way, she's fucking badass. She's amazing. God, I love her. Yeah, she's fucking amazing. She actually did this. She didn't realize that this was a horror movie until the whole thing was wrapped up. She did this because of the car scene at the end was the audition scene. And she just thought it was so emotionally intense and needed to do it. Which we've seen her in Hereditary. Who's surprised? Dude. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it doesn't say anything about specifically about her calling the psychologist. So maybe she didn't have to pay for it. Maybe it was a school thing. Maybe it was a have to do thing. But even so, she has him at nine, 10 in a private school. That is not fucking cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Because she wants the best for him, even though she can't. I mean, she does provide the absolute best for him being single and working. I mean, she's not working high-end jobs. She's working service industry jobs. Yeah, and she's all alone. They talk about how she's so lonely because her mother has died, and they have been divorced, and his father left them to be with some lady who runs, who does toll booths. So basically, he's not around. All he and she's doing this watch, all alone. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's super sad. Yeah. So these ghosts are coming to him to 
complain, basically <laughs> scare the shit out of him. I don't want to die. Yeah. And eventually, after going to the hospital because one hurts him so badly that she takes him in, of course, they think that she's abusing him, which happens a lot in horror movies, you know. Yeah, but she's such a good mom. She sticks with that for like one second. You think I hurt my child? And then she moves on. What is wrong with my child? Like, okay, whatever. If you think that I hurt him, you're going to put me through the ringer anyway. I'm not going to fight that part of it. Just tell me what's wrong with my son. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Sure. Ask me all the questions. I do not hurt my child. You're going to think what you want, but go fix him. You know? So... In the hospital is when they call in Malcolm and when Cole finally decides, you know, he's at the point because he's being harassed enough. He spilled yeah, he got really there. hurt. Yeah. And plus he's starting to feel comfortable with Malcolm mm-hmm. to tell him that this is when we get the I see dead people line. And mm-hmm. he elaborates and says there he's like, you know, I think he says like right now or do you see him in your I don't remember how he's asked, but he's like, no, they're just walking around mm-hmm. like you and me all the time and so he you know malcolm is like he thinks he's delusional and and he even considers dropping his case you know but before he leaves he is so sweet and breaks my fucking heart he goes will you stay with me until i fall asleep oh my god he is killing me terrified yeah like he can't even sleep because they're constantly coming at him yeah And so after he hears this, he goes back and he listens to a session from Vincent, the kid that shot him. And he listens really closely and he hears another person on the tape in their session. Yeah. When he knows that there was no one else in the room. Which how terrifying because you you find out that it was someone speaking Spanish at this poor little boy freaking out in there all by himself like how scary like sobbing and speaking spanish and the whole you were just having a session and this kid was like hearing and seeing someone sobbing next to him and you didn't believe him yeah his notes actually i when i paused it and read the notes about vincent it said a lot of stuff in there about how in their therapy sessions it feels like he's not always paying attention like it feels like there's somebody else in the room that's talking to him and he's not he's looking around the room a lot and i'm like dude he's looking at ghosts yep and then he feels terrible yeah so he's like okay he's telling the truth like he does hear dead people and see them we go back to Haley and Haley Joel Osment and he is back at home and it's spooky because we've got a couple ghosts that are coming at him right now in the middle of the night yep and then now Malcolm is basically like okay so you can't do anything about this and I can't do anything about this so why don't we try a different method because running from them and trying to hide from them is clearly not working. You know, we need to try to find a purpose for this. So maybe try listening to them, try talking to them. Well, he figures out that what the Spanish guy was saying was, I don't want to die. Please. I don't want to die basically over and over again. Ugh, That's so sad. Also, I wanted to bring up, This has nothing, well, nothing really to do with the movie, but I just wanted to put in context. I have mentioned in other episodes that I used to live in a really haunted house where I remember waking up from a nap one time and there was a guy standing at the edge of the couch staring at me. Or 
it was that same house where I remember a little girl racing down the hallway and jumping up on my bed. That was the same age that he is. And I say that because of when he is in the middle of the night getting up to pee and this boy with a blown out head, you know, goes, let's go find my dad's gun. It's fucking scary. And that's the same shit that I was dealing with at the same age. Like, I feel for him. I did not get up in the middle of the night to pee. That was not a thing that happened. Yeah. I cannot imagine, dude. The only thing that I have is like that thing that I grew up in with mm-hmm. in my house that just kind of it was like the shadow that walked from the hallway to the kitchen every night that was it yeah no this house was really bad mm. how long were you there again probably about a year oh. maybe not even that much my mom was really good at she would get raises and every time she'd get a raise we'd move into a nicer house to try to move us up the you know yeah. She was really good. So we probably weren't there for very long before she got a raise and we moved out. But oh, it was not good. great. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so Cole is super not happy about the fact that he's like, maybe you should try to help him at first. But then he eventually is like, all right, well, let's try it. And then Those once. terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would not want to continue this conversation. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm like, I want you to get out of this as quickly as possible. Like you, you need to fuck off. You know what I right. mean? And so he finally says, okay. And then the first basically night that he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to listen. He wakes up in his little tent and this girl's just throwing up. And it's like, oh. Yeah, but oh, so sad for both of them. They're both terrified. And they're both about the same age. So yeah. at least it's not like this grown ass woman that's like bloodied up. You know, it could be worse. Yeah. You know, he starts off easy with a kid his age that he can kind of get along with, even though she's dead. So after finding out, basically, she asked for his help, you know, and she they find out who she is and that she died so recently that they could still go to her funeral service. Yeah. Like it might have been that night. That might've been the night that she fucking died. Yeah. And like, it's a fresh death. Yeah. And so Malcolm and Cole both go to her funeral and they actually, instead of mingling with everyone, Cole just goes straight up to her room and find a box you know, mm-hmm. and there's a videotape in the box, which he gives to her father and her father pops in the tape and sees her playing with some puppets and he's crying because he's watching his dead little girl playing like that gives him some joy and gets to watch that. But then he sees the mother going to give her lunch and she's pouring like cleaning supplies in her soup so it's munchausen by proxy right and how this little girl dies as as cole is walking through the house we're hearing comments of now the little one's getting sick so this girl had a sister who's now getting sick and oh my god it's amazing i couldn't imagine having a child you know in bed for two years things like that she's the only one not wearing black she's wearing like bright red bright red like she's and, enjoying the attention. Yes. And he plays this videotape in front of 
basically everybody. Everyone watches that she just killed their daughter. Connor and I were both like, I'd fucking murder you. Like, that's not even, someone would have to hold me back. And honestly, I'd be too stealthy. I'd be like, we're good. Everything's good. I'm going to call the cops. That's why I'm going into the kitchen right now to call the cops. And I'd probably grab a fucking knife and stab her in the throat, especially because you're now trying to kill my second daughter. Oh, uh, yeah. Nicole uh-uh. saved that little girl, definitely. Like, yes. she was poisoning her. I mean, and Munchausen by proxy, like, if, if you, any of you watched the act, Kristen and I actually watched it together. Mm-hmm. It's the same disease. I mean, disease lightly used. That's abuse. That's yeah. not okay. But that's what they enjoy the attention they enjoy the sympathy from other people being the center of attention it stems from narcissism typically mm-hmm. that's yeah and the dad and everyone that saw the tape go down there and just are laser eyes into her and you know that she about to get it you know yeah and so because of that the ghost girl you know Can now gets to move on and so he realizes that by doing this they get peace and he also gets peace but only until the next one comes and that's the thing like you do get that kind of resolve with this one case but he doesn't get peace because that's just you know he does now after this he's learning to live with the ghosts and so he does begin to fit in a little bit because there was you do see some of the social pariah aspects of him because he knows kind of some history of like the school he was in and the teacher asks about the history of the school and tries to sugarcoat it. And he's like, no, nah, people yeah. were hung here. Shame on that teacher though. You are yeah. a history teacher. I, you know that it was fucking hangings. And even if you want to downplay it because they're children, then downplay it. Don't tell him he's lying. It's fucking true. They, it was a courthouse. They fucking hang people in the back. That's what happens. Yeah, and that's what Cole said because he's seen the bodies. Yeah. And so that teacher yelled at him that he was wrong, and then that caused a whole thing. And then he went to a birthday party earlier where the kids thought he was weird, and they locked him up, and then there was a ghost there that, you know, his mom had to pull him out of this, like, little crawl space area because the kids were being mean to him. I mean, there's just a lot that this kid has gone through that we didn't talk about that were kind of the in-between scenes of the movie. Which was really sad. But now, after this, he's learning to live with them because Malcolm has helped him learn how to accept the ghosts and talk to them and help them. And so he's starting to fit in. He's cast as a lead in the school play, which is really cool. And so now that their time is coming to an end, Cole suggests that Malcolm should try talking to his wife while she's asleep because people have to listen to you when you're asleep because... Cole, or excuse me, Malcolm and Anna still haven't had a conversation this entire movie, but he notices that she's on antidepressants and watching their wedding tape alone and doing all these really sad things. And she's even like locked the basement where he does his work, which is weird. You know, it is really sad too because we realize that he's been haunting her. That's what's causing her to struggle so hard to get over this. Because it's um, it's like a year later and she's still falling asleep every night to their wedding video. Girl needs somebody to talk to. Exactly. And it's what's also really like he realizes that the kind of the big twist in this movie is that that Cole has been talking to Malcolm dead. Yeah. And when him him saying, like, you should talk to these dead people to help them move on, that's what Cole's been doing for him. Oh, my God. But this 
there are a couple scenes, and this is one of them, that just made me fucking cry. Oh my god. When he is saying goodbye to her, when he finally realizes that he is dead, and he's saying goodbye to her in her sleep, and she she says i love you or she says good night and he goes good night sweetheart and i'm like oh my god I, was oh, I just got chills again dude like honestly anna asks why he left her and then yeah drops, drops his wedding ring yeah like just on the ground she's been holding on to that and then he's like remembering what cole told him about how dead people only see what they want to see and how they don't realize they're dead all the time and then he recalls being shot and feels yeah. a gunshot wound again. And then he finally realizes that he's dead. Yeah. And, you know. Which means he's of- been covering all that up. Because he's had a jacket on and everything this whole time. But yeah. is Cole seeing him gross? Because he sees everybody else. He sees, you know, the gunshot through the head. Is he seeing him with, like, a bloody stomach and shit? I don't know. Maybe it's been, he's been kind of one of the ones that, maybe they just needed each other to the point where it was kind of all kind of yeah cloudy you know yeah i don't know but then there's also this scene kind of at the end where his mother even comes to terms with it so they're in the car together and his grandmother's i think it's a brooch has been going missing a lot and they talk about pendant pendant yeah bumblebee pendant and cole decides that he's going to tell his mother that he sees dead people she he finally says i'm ready to tell you you know and he says someone died in that car accident down the road and she's like how do you know that you can't see and she's like literally standing outside their car window yeah and then cole says grandmother visits him and also says when you didn't think she saw you dance in a school recital she did see you dance giving details that cole wouldn't know and she just starts like sobbing Oh my god, it's so like heartbreaking but sweet because they're coming back together as a family because he can finally share this stuff, but you're like also crying with her. Yeah, it's a really like it's such a this film is so it's there's a reason it's so highly regarded. Like the plot is so I mean, there are a lot of M Night Shyamalan films where you can just like punch a lot of holes. Like you can still enjoy them, Mm -hmm. but it's like meh. That's dumb. Like the happening. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, I enjoy the happening, but I realize it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. And you can like punch so many holes, but this one is just so well put together. And I mean, there's a reason, like, even my mother, who hates anything paranormal, hates ghosts, hates anything spooky, will sit down and just she even enjoys this film and there's a reason for that like it just can bring it can cross genres and speak to all types of moviegoers you know yeah well also M. Night Shyamalan is a genius director like I know he hasn't done a ton of stuff because I think he picks his things sometimes wisely sometimes they don't go over well but you can say the same thing about alfred hitchcock who was also a genius director and i think it's especially seen in this probably because it was his first movie really and he wanted to do it perfectly but i was reading a trivia and in every single scene that there is read it is because there is a ghost piece to that story in that scene and he made sure he was so specific about it that if there was read in a scene that didn't pertain to ghosts he took it out that is a perfectionist of his work yeah absolutely that's really cool on rotten tomatoes 
We talked about this being his highest rated film. On the critic plane, it has an 86%. And on the audience plane, it has a 90%. Yeah. What was our highest rated for 1999? What beat this? I don't remember. Do you remember? No, uh, this was it. This we this also was it. did. Okay, 100 Years of Horror. Okay, yeah. okay. I was like, I don't remember anything beating this. Okay. It, that's it what didn't. I thought. Okay. This was it. That's what I thought. Okay. Because I can't imagine anything beating this for 1999. Like, right. <laughs> right. So this has over 1 million audience ratings and it's at 90%. Yeah. They're, that you, you know, they're, that's it's a beloved movie. Absolutely. And this, it's just the acting, especially from the, from Haley Joel Osment as a child. I mean, how, mm-hmm. how, and Tony Collette. God. Oh, and she Bruce was Willett, like every, everybody that was in this, whether they, even the other children that were his bullies or, you know, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it had a $40 million budget plus $25 million for print and advertising. Yeah. They were going for it, you know. And I'm not saying you have to have that kind of budget for a film this good, but it had everything. Like, this does not feel like a, a film from the 90s. It stands up today. Right. Which is interesting because it was actually a sleeper hit back then. They, yeah. you know, bloody disgusting, things like that didn't really even promote this because people didn't realize that it was going to be such a big thing. Man. I, w- I wish I would have been able to see this in theaters. Like, agreed. Yeah, not really knowing what you're going into. Mm-hmm. I would just love to get raw reactions from people, like to see what they thought. Agreed. Ready for some trivia? I'm I don't have so much. Ready. All right. Haley Joel Osment got this part because he, first of all, he killed it. He did, but also because he was the only boy that showed up in a tie, and because when N. Night Shyamalan talked to him about his script. Haley said, I read it three times and last night. And Shyamalan goes, oh, you read your part three times? And he goes, no, I read the script three times. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that cute? He's like, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to hire gonna me. I'm going to get this role. Exactly. <laughs> this movie was actually filmed in sequence, which I bring up because that doesn't usually happen in film. And I, I love when they actually do that. Yeah. I know as an actor that becomes part of your work, but I think that that would that would help me along. You know what I mean? Like it'd be really difficult to film the ending with my counterpart after not having built a relationship with them, having to film an emotional climax. Because I think they did that in Titanic. They filmed towards the end of the film at the beginning which Mm -hmm. i would need to know jack before filming yeah i would need to hang or even just need to know leonardo dicaprio before filming like hang out in the food court shit like that whatever you do yeah exactly this film opened on m night Shyamalan's birthday which is awesome yeah this was the first film that michael Sarah ever auditioned for as a child yeah he got it wrong because it was actually the magic scene and he he admits that he didn't read the script through carefully because he didn't realize that Cole was supposed to be an introverted kid. So he did it like too funny and stuff, which sounds about Michael Sarah, right? Yeah. And the last thing I have is this was actually inspired by an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, the tale of the dream girl, which I love because I grew up on Are You Afraid of the Dark. Interesting. So I'm assuming the dream girl probably would have been the... Well, 
Yeah, that's what I would assume, but I don't know. I'd have to watch that episode. From what I remember, it's about a ghost, like a 1950s girl who comes back and she's trying to get her love. I think that's what it is. Interesting, interesting. That's all I had. Well, I personally probably give this one like a solid five. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was going to say like what two, two out of five. No, five. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... It's just that, I mean, I just can't, there's just really nothing that I'm super critical of on this. I can't, I literally was racking my brain to find a negative. Yeah. And I, I just, it's really difficult to find because and I think, you know, it's hard for me too, because I've just watched this movie so much and I, de- I mean, I did, but I don't really have to watch it to even talk about it. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, amazing Ama- a perfection of a film i mean in six academy awards including yeah. best picture best director best original screenplay best supporting actor best supporting actress yeah you know you done good so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's uh it's up there yeah Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this review of The Sixth Sense. Of course, I hope you know where to find us by now. All of our socials are Facebook and Instagram, The Extra Sisters Podcast. Twitter is at The Extra Sisters. And if you'd like to hang out with us on Patreon for extra content and all that fun stuff right over there, you can head over to patreon.com slash The Extra Sisters Podcast. And next time, sometimes the world of the living gets mixed up with the world of the dead. Until then, stay creepy. Stay creepy.